Good evening, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Southwest Ohio Full Court Press. I am your host, Tony Peters. Thank you for tuning in today. Uh, we are going to continue our coverage of the high school basketball season with another preview today. Uh, we already previewed the GCL co-ed. Today, we are going to talk about the Greater Western Ohio Conference, also known as the GWOC. Uh, not going to do a, a fancy intro on this one. You guys already know the deal, what, we're, what we do with this. So we're going to jump right into it today. Uh, again, starting from the top, we're just going to go through all eight teams, just kind of talk about uh, the team as a whole, players to watch, players they lost, etc. So starting with Beaver Creek. Last year was definitely not Beaver Creek's year. Uh, they went 9-16 and 16 overall. Really struggled in the G-Walk, struggled with their guard play, struggled with injuries. Just wasn't a, a great year. They did put some pieces together there, made a little bit of a run in the sectional tournament, beating two MVL schools uh, before ultimately losing to Centerville in the sectional finals. When you look at this Beaver Creek team, they've got quite a few guys back from last year's team starting with Gabe Phillips their senior their interior presence their shot blocker he's whatever you want to talk about Gabe Phillips can do for you uh, on the inside of the paint also coming back is Adam Duvall the other senior the six seven power forward he can stretch the floor out he's shown the knack for hitting an outside shot he can beat you on the post as well uh really talented player he was battling injuries a year ago so if he can stay healthy this year beaver creek could really see uh you know a, a change in their where they're at two younger players they've got kyle putnam a junior again struggled with injuries but when he was healthy really kind of sparked last year and then Lance Caswell, a sophomore. Caswell expected to have a much bigger role this year. Uh, definitely one of the uh, better young players in Dayton. Beaver Creek did lose uh, Salome Baldwin, their senior kind of do-it-all. And then Braden Grant, the, one of their bigger guys on the wing as well. Uh, the Beavers, again, like I already said, it was really their guard play that made them struggle quite a bit last year. Multiple games that we watched where they just struggled to handle the basketball. Uh, they had some underclassmen handling the ball during that time. Hard to tell who's going to really be the point guard this season, but you know if those young guys do come back, they now have a year of experience under their belt, so you would hope they're going to be a little bit better with their ball control and ball security. But ultimately, for Beaver Creek, that's that's what's going to be the difference here. you got to be able to take care of the basketball, and if they can take care of the basketball, I think they're going to have a better outlook than where they were last year. But if those turnovers, even if they're healthy, if they tr struggle with turnovers again this year, it's going to be hard to win in the GWAC, especially as we get deeper into this, talking about the different teams in the conference this year. It's just not going to be an easy battle by any means. Moving on to our next team, and this is a team that we have talked quite a bit about if you cover our, or excuse me, if you follow our coverage, and that is the defending Division I state champion, Centerville Elks. Centerville finished 26-3 and last year en route to winning the Division I state championship. The scary thing is they bring back four starters from that team. Uh, this was a team that knocked off Moeller in the regional tournament. They beat mentor who was undefeated in the state semifinals and then held off a very good Westerville Central team for a state championship on top of playing one of the toughest schedules you're going to find in the state of Ohio last year. In the backcourt, they are led by Gabe Cups and Emmanuel Dang, who are both juniors. 
Cups, there's really not much to say about him because you've probably already heard anything I would have said. Uh, he's a very gifted player. Very, very good offensive weapon. Very good range, ball control. Defensively, he can sit down, guard the perimeter. Whoever you want him to guard, he will do it and do it well. Emmanuel Dang brings a lot of intensity on the defensive end. Very quick, uh, very fast feet, fast hands, smart defender. When you got two guys on the perimeter that can defend like they do, it's it's a big. Speaking of big, the Elks have a big-time shooter also coming back in senior in Florida State commit, Tom House. House, definitely one of the best shooters, if not the best shooter in this, uh, in Dayton this last year. He's probably the best shooter again this year. Had a really good showing with All-Ohio Red over the summer. He's got an, his teammate Rich Rolf, a 6'7", formal, former excuse me, Drexel commit. Rolf is now uncommitted, but he's still being targeted by D1s. He is back, and, and Rolf really evolved his game. Last year was a really big breakout year for him. He went from being you know, a taller inside presence to showing a lot more confidence on the perimeter. At 6'7", you have to have that confidence, especially if you're going to play at the Division One level. And really, what Centerville has that a lot of teams don't have is coachability. These kids buy in to the program, and they work their tails off, and it pays off. Uh, Brooke Cups has got this team in a very good position. Now, they do lose Trey Johnson, who was their starter, their starting center last year. The Elks kind of had an interesting summer. They were supposed to have, and they were actually playing most of the summer, with Mike Sharavjimps, if I pronounce that correctly. Uh, he used to play at Legacy Christian his freshman year in Xenia. Sophomore year didn't play. Junior year, he played for Prolific Prep out of California and then was going to play for Centerville. And then uh, in August, announced he was going to attend ISA in Northeast Ohio. No, no doubt if they had had Mike, uh, they probably would have been even more you know, solid pick for the Division I state champions again. But I will say this, even without Sharab Jim, Centerville's got something that a lot of teams don't have. You know, They've got four starters back. They've got two of their top three guys from off the bench a year ago. They have the culture. They have the defense. They have everything you look for in a team to succeed. And I don't see them going anywhere anytime soon. Centerville is going to, again, be very, very good. Moving on to our next team, Fairmont. The Firebirds had a short season last year due to COVID. Only got 14 games in. Uh, went 5-9. and nine. Found some success, uh, obviously, in the, in the tournament. They got a little bit of a run going. But unfortunately, it was not enough for them to... Uh, ultimately get very far looking to this upcoming season this is kind of a make or break year for them they uh obviously had they've had a couple guys that have been you know key role players since they were sophomores that group is now seniors you just hope that this is the year they can finally do it uh those seniors specifically anthony johnson and Desan Doucette. johnson I've just loved to see his game evolve over the last three years. You know, watching him as a sophomore to watching him now, his confidence, his decision making, everything has gotten so much better uh, since we saw him running the point as a sophomore on the varsity. Doucette, I mean, he is just an absolute animal on the wing. Uh, very, very good frame at 6'4, 6'5, uh, very strong. He's added a lot to his game as well. I, I felt like he was a little more of a slasher when he was a sophomore, junior year. 
We saw glimpses of that shooting touch improving. Uh, then obviously this past AAU season saw that he could shoot the ball in the mid-range, which is what I think he was lacking in his game. That is something that is, is huge for the Firebirds, having him and Johnson leading the way. Uh, they got a couple other players. They this Fairmont was a team that they had a lot of different guys starting last year. Uh, another player I was really impressed with that I really liked was Eli Sherwood. He's a junior this year. Lefty, very good shooter. Uh, he did start in about half the games last year. You know, he's going to probably have a bigger role now that the Firebirds are looking for that, you know, a, a third and fourth and fifth guy. And I think for Fairmont, that's kind of what's going to carry them in the G Walk this year is, you know, beyond Doucette and Johnson, who steps up? Uh, last year, they didn't have a lot of size, and I, it showed with them struggling in some games. This year, there's not a lot of size again, so there's questions if this team is going to be able to defend a team like a Centerville, like a Beaver Creek, or control the glass against teams like that, uh, and time will tell. I mean, Fairmont, I think this is the year they have to do it. You, you would think that this group being that they were you know together since their sophomore year and leading this team, you would think this is finally the year they're going to do it. I have high hopes for them. I have a lot of optimism for them. The biggest thing, like I said, is going to be how do they control the glass against these bigger teams? Because last year was a struggle, uh, as we saw. But we'll, we'll see what happens this year. Uh, our next team, Miamisburg, again, really got hit with graduation hard. Uh, they lost three seniors specifically that were you know big-time players for them. Alex Ball, Evan Logan, Luke Copsey gone. What all of those guards brought to the table was they could – they were fundamental and they were culture guys. You know, they not none of them really did anything that was extraordinary, but what they did do was consistently sit down on the, on the defensive end, showed good ball control, showed they could shoot the ball and they could pass the ball well. And you may say that's kind of like silly. That's anyone should be able to do that. Yes. But when you got an entire team or entire backcourt that can do that, that's a lot of confidence you're going to have with your team. Miamisburg did have a pretty good year last year. We weren't really sure what was going to happen because they were losing quite you know, a decent amount of talent from the year prior. Uh, but they did make it to the district finals. They went 17-8, and eight, uh, ultimately lost to Moeller in the district championship game. But they finally got there. They For the last couple of years, the Vikings were sitting in that top three, top four, top five in Dayton, and they just couldn't get past the sectional finals. It was great to see them finally make that run a year ago. And looking to the future, there's hope. But this season, you know, similar to what we said in Beaver Creek, it kind of begs the question of what is going to my what's Miami's are going to look like this year in terms of their guard play. Talked about the guys that are leaving. Who's back? Anthony Kopik is a senior. Kopik's been a key role player for the Vikings since he was a sophomore. He He's one of the better athletes. You don't really see a lot of athletes uh, that come out of Miamisburg. Again, a lot of those guys are mainly, you know, fundamental defensive-minded guys. Kopik is not. Kopik does that, but he does a little more than that. He's he's not known for that. He's known more for his athleticism, uh, his ability to create on the offensive end. That's what he does best. I think that's what makes him different in terms of, you know, what Miamisburg typically has. Uh, having Kopic, and then they also bring back Junior Jackson McGowan. McGowan is a football kid. You know, you watch highlights of him during the football season. I mean, he is mossing guys. He's got phenomenal hands. He uses that on the basketball court as well. 6'4", 
Uh, incredible bounce, incredibly athletic. Last year showed he could be kind of that role type of guy, uh, especially with Kopik being injured at times last year. And I'll tell you what, McGowan's got a chance. If he wants to be a basketball player in college, I think he could easily play at the Division Three level. Uh, McGowan watched him during the summer. He was handling his own against you know Cincinnati Taft, who's one of the best Division Three teams. He had a Division One top nationally ranked prospect and Rayvon Griffith guarding him, and he was still doing well. It's optimistic for the Vikings. The big issue with Miamisburg again is that guard play. Who's going to be the, who's going to be the primary ball handler? Who's going to handle that pressure for them? And ultimately, can Miamisburg continue the success that they've been having? I do have high hopes for them. I think that there's if they can figure out the guard play, which I'm sure they will, it's going to help them win some games that maybe they wouldn't win if they didn't have the guard play. But you know, time will tell. Uh, the next team, Northmont. Northmont is starting a new era as they have a new coach. Darnell Hoskins takes over as the head coach after the Thunderbolts uh, parted ways with Shane Kinser. Um, Hoskins is stepping into kind of an interesting role coming from Middletown. Uh, Northmont has not been known for its basketball success the last couple years. They only won six games last season, which was better than the three they won the year prior. This team is going to be young. Uh, just to put it simply. And it's going to be kind of weird because their two best players are gone. Patrick Ivory now at flight prep and Jordan Smith, who's at Wilberforce. They they got hit hard with those two. Those two did a lot for them. And it kind of leaves some questions as to what are the Thunderbolts going to look like this year? They're going to look young. Uh, at the Oak Hill Summer Shootout, they had five freshmen playing on the varsity now, granted, that was a summer league game, uh, but the fact that they had five freshmen is is very telling of what Coach Hoskins is trying to do. Of that freshman, Jeremiah Landers is probably the most impressive. He's already got very good ball handling for a freshman. He's got a pretty good frame considering his age, uh, and he's really shown a lot of confidence with the basketball in his hand. Uh, that's something that you don't see very much out of a freshman, and the fact that he's doing that now is very telling of what he's going to have when uh, he takes over for the Thunderbolts. They've also got Tyron, Tyron Sturdivant, a junior. Sturdivant didn't do a lot last year, but really played well, I thought, in the AAU season. I think his role is going to increase. Him and Landers are going to be the primary ball handlers for the Thunderbolts this year. And then Brandon Pooler, a senior. Pooler had a very, very good season last year. He's looking to build off of that. He's going to probably be the primary scoring option, I would say, beyond maybe Landers uh, due to his just experience and his athleticism. You know, Pooler reminds me a lot of Ivory in that he does have that bounce and he's got that ability to score from a couple different levels. I think for Northmont, the biggest thing is going to be, you know, while you've got some upperclassmen that have some, you know, experience at the varsity level, it's going to be how quickly can those freshmen and sophomores get adjusted to the G-Walk because really that's going to be your chance to pick it back up is going to be as these guys get older and when they get deeper into uh, their high school careers. So when Hoskins is in his third and fourth year is what we're really going to be looking for. That's not to say Northmont can't compete this season, but I'm just not expecting them to make the, the jump to one of the best teams in the G-Walk. Obviously, anything can happen, but... It just isn't very telling at this time with the youth that they're going to have. Speaking of youth, Springboro's got some. Springboro, and they go to year two with Coach Brett Kostiff. Uh, the, the Panthers went 5-16 and 16 last year. 
and they did struggle quite a bit. They were pretty young, uh, and they're going to be young again this year. The, the, the key guy they lose is Khalil Trent. He was a guard that they had, good lefty football kid. Um, they do have kind of their top football kid, though, and Sam Feldman returning for his senior year. Feldman was the leading scorer. He was one of the best players in the G-Walk last year, if we're being honest. Uh, when you watch him play, he doesn't look like he's going to be uh, the best basketball player, but he's got some very hidden athleticism, uh, good skill, good control, you know, he is the quarterback for the football team, so it's very not surprising that he's got that type of those uh, skills. And Feldman's going to have a big task in front of him. He's going to have to really be a leader again this year, uh, especially with the Panthers having a lot of youth. Max Butler, their sophomore guard, he looked really good as a freshman last year running the point. He's going to probably be running the point yet again for the Panthers. Uh but more telling, Springboro's got two freshmen coming in that are going to probably be key contributors in R.J. Greer and Jerome White. White is about six foot four, maybe six five. A very, very good rebounding threat, good vertical leap, long arms for a freshman. Greer, he's also six five, but he has got a lot of skill to him. Already owns an offer to Western Carolina at the Division One level. Greer, a little more of a scoring threat. White, obviously, more of a defensive guy plus rebounding. We're going to see how those roles fill in. Again, Feldman was kind of doing both of that for the Panthers last year. So the fact that he now has some guys that can take some of that pressure off of him, that's going to be very, very helpful for Coach Costiff and this team. I think Springboro's got a chance they can finally uh, see some improvement this year, even with that youth. Uh, my only concern with them is going to be once they get to the tournament, when you've got that type of youth, uh, it's sometimes hard to get things going come tournament time. So it's going to be hard to tell where the Panthers are going to be at when it gets to February and March. But we're so far away from that. The focus first has to be just getting through November through January. So I do think Springboro is going to take some strides this year. They're going to be a lot more competitive in the G-Walk, but there's still going to be some learning. Again, they do have some youth still to them. So it's going to be more about getting those guys ready for the next couple of years. Springfield is next, and, and Springfield, they went 10-11. and 11. They didn't have a bad season, but Springfield was so up and down last year. Uh, it seemed like some games they'd come in and, and they would compete with, with Wayne. They could you know, give Miamisburg a game, and then they would go out and other games they'd lose by over 20 to Centerville or, or lose a dogfight with Springboro or win a dogfight with Springboro. They just didn't look like the Springfield we're used to seeing. And credit show Coach Sean McCullough, excuse me, uh, first year there, he's got a lot he's working with. He's trying to kind of build that culture. He does have some athletes back. He does lose Josh Tolliver, who was kind of his do-it-all guy last year. Uh, he, do, he does have some guys returning in Micah Johnson and Eddie Mohammed, Seniors, you know, Springfield's a football school. They're going to have a lot of athleticism. I think that the athleticism they do have is enough that they're going to be fine. But that athleticism can get you in the top half of the G-Walk. But you got to have a little bit more to get by a team like a Centerville, uh, like a, a Wayne usually. Um, I think Coach McCullough is there. I think year two is going to be a better year than year one was. And I think Springfield will get above 500. But again, it's going to be... Interesting to see kind of who steps up into that role of the new go-to guy with Tolliver being gone. <clears throat> and last but not least, we have got the Wayne Warriors. 
Oh boy, Wayne. Where do I start with Wayne? Well, Wayne last season had a very, very good year. 17-5, and got to the district finals before losing to St. Xavier. But man, did they get hit hard with graduation. Uh, they are only bringing back three of their top seven from last year. You know, G-Walk Player of the Year, Prophet Johnson is gone. Uh, super athlete Malcolm Curry's gone. Sharpshooters uh, Cam Fancher and Ben Palmer are gone. Wayne lost a lot. In addition to that, there's some unknowns as to some of their football kids who is going to be playing on the basketball team this year. Uh, it's not confirmed, but I do believe Elijah Brown, their their big man from a year ago, is who is committed to play football at Alabama. I believe he is not playing this winter. Emil Wagner, it's, we still do not know for sure what's going to happen with him, but he is a Division One football prospect as well. The only consistence that we know of right now that Wayne will have back from this year is junior Laurent Rice and sophomore RJ, excuse me, junior RJ Mukes. For Wayne, this is a little bit of a concern because they typically have about two to three guys back from the starting lineup that still give you that kind of feel that they're going to be fine. But this year, it's just concerning that they lose so much talent. Uh, Coach Martindale always finds a way to get the best out of his guys, and I don't think Wayne's going to be bad per se, but this is going to be a different look. Rice is clearly one of the best players in the country when it comes to players in the 2023 class, but his role at Wayne is very different than what we've seen with his All-Ohio Red AAU team. At All-Ohio Red, we've seen Rice be a, a scoring threat while also being kind of a distributor. At Wayne, we've really seen him more as a distributor. That's not to say he hasn't gone off and put up some big numbers. Uh, in the past, he has. But his role has seemed more like he's setting guys up versus being the scoring threat. He's got that potential in him. And I think junior year, this is going to be the year he's going to have to do that. Having Mukes on his side, too. Mukes is a very good scorer as well. Very, very, very good pull-up mid-range game. Uh, he's going to be a little bit more of Wayne's outside shooting help. But, I mean, it's going to be hard. Usually this team has a lot of depth. I don't know how much depth they're going to have this year. How are they going to compare to a Centerville? I don't know. I mean, it's going to be hard. Coach Martindale always has his guys ready to play, and Rice is clearly a, a first-team G-Walk player in my opinion. But I just don't know if this Wayne team makes it out of the sectionals this year. I don't know if they go back to districts. It's going to be very telling. Does Wagner play? Uh, whether he plays or not plays, the other thing will be just how does Wayne play in the G-Walk this year? So that's going to wrap up kind of the team-by-team team look. Uh, our, our, our segment on the ceiling and floor will be kind of what we do next. Really, I'm not going to go into excruciating detail on it. Uh, Beaver Creek, you know, obviously their ceiling. I definitely see them possibly making a sectional final run again. Again, if that guard play can can get worked on, they can definitely get through some of the MVL teams and maybe some G-Walk teams come tournament time. But without the guard play, they won't advance past that. Centerville, their ceiling, defend. I mean, the state championship. And, and that's got to be kind of where you put the Elks when you got four starters back from a state championship team the year prior. Fairmont. I'm going to put them in the same boat as, as Beaver Creek. I think they're a sectional final caliber team. The pieces are there, and, and I think the culture is getting better there, but 
I just don't think they've got the size, and you're going to need size to get out of the district, unfortunately. Miamisburg, uh, I'm going to put them in the sectional tournament. I'm not sure about a sectional final. Uh, Again, their their guard play is going to be another question mark. They've got the athleticism, but do they have the guards and the guys that can sit down on the defensive end? They're going to be able to battle out with some of these other teams. Uh, Springfield, same boat. I think a sectional final or sectional tournament depends on who that go-to guy is after Tolliver. Wayne, again, I think they're a sectional team this year. Uh, It's going to be hard to see them advancing far out of the district just because we don't know what the roster is going to look like just yet. And then Northmont and Springboro, I think it's this is going to be growing years. You know, the expectations aren't going to be far past the sectional tournament. Obviously, you know, I'd love for them to prove me wrong, and I definitely will admit if I'm wrong, but I think those guys, just their youth this year is going to be kind of hard for them to make a deep tournament run. Uh, and, and with that, you know, again, Centerville's got to be the favorite in this, in this conference this year. I don't really know if there's a team in this conference when you look at the eight that are in here that realistically are going to match up with Centerville between their guard play, their size, their length, their focus on the defensive end, just the fact that they're going to be very battle tested with the schedule they're going to play this year. There's really not a team that's got all of those or even half of those that they're going to be able to run with Centerville. In terms of who your runners-ups are, Wayne could be there depending on who they have with their size. I think Springfield's going to be up there. Fairmont and Beaver Creek definitely going to be in there in Miamisburg. It's just kind of a cluster there from two to six between those five teams. Northmont and Springboro, I think they're going to be near the bottom. Again, it's not to say that they're not good teams. It's just they're young. And when when you got that much youth, it's hard to, to look at that team and put a lot of high expectations. But again... Would love to be proved wrong, and in either way, you know, definitely looking forward to, to covering the G Walk this year. There's a lot of young talent in the conference, really good seniors trying to go out with a bang. So it's going to be a fun conference to watch this year. So that's going to wrap up uh, this preview. Uh, again, thank you for tuning in. Uh, the G Walk, one of the best conferences in Ohio, regardless whether you're talking football or basketball. This year, they're the home to the defending Division I state champions and hopefully going to continue that as we continue down uh, the road of, of, of this season. So with that, I'm going to wrap this episode up. Thank you for tuning in to tonight's episode. My name is Tony Peters, and we'll talk to you soon.